For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. I will arise and go forth to the house of my father. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. House of my young. Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject, The Salt Covenant. This is part two of the series. The meat offering, it is associated with a free will or gift that you come and bring from your heart. So when you bring something of your free will of your heart unto him, and the primary thing that we're supposed to bring unto him is we're to commit our lives unto him for service to his kingdom. That when we come and we make that commitment and we enter into relationship with the God of Israel, he wants it to be in the form of a covenant, something that we make a fixed and permanent decision from our heart to have this relationship with the God of Israel for the rest of our lives and to be committed and faithful to it. That is the reason and the spiritual meaning associated with the God of Israel wanting salt to be put on his altar and be associated with the offerings that we bring. In Mark chapter 9 verse 49 it is written, for everyone shall be salted with fire and every sacrifice shall be salted with salt. We can see in Ezekiel in chapter 43 verse 18 and verse 24 that the burnt offering is to be given with salt as it is written. And he said unto me, Son of man, thus says the Lord God, these are the ordinances of the altar in the day when they shall make it to offer burnt offerings thereon and to sprinkle blood thereon. And you shall offer them and the priest shall cast salt upon them and they shall offer them up for a burnt offering unto the Lord. And so a burnt offering must be freely and joyfully given, and a burnt offering is to be completely consumed upon the altar. And so the burnt offering also represents our lives and our commitment of our lives to be dedicated to the God of Israel, to his service, and to his kingdom. And so that's why we have the words from Romans in chapter 12 and verse 1, explaining that our lives are to be a burnt offering unto the God of Israel, as it is written. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, which means our lives, to be a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. 
So an altar and then a table that we would have in our homes, in our kitchen, where we would eat from, are spiritually synonymous with each other. We can see this from Malachi chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. O priests that despise my name, and you say, wherein have we despised your name? You offer polluted bread upon my altar, and you say, wherein have we polluted you? In that you say, the table of the Lord is contemptible. In the book, The Salt Covenant by Clay Tremble on page 29, he explains that salt alone on a table can represent a covenant relationship. He explains, salt alone is the basis of an enduring covenant, but bread alone on a table does not represent the same thing. In the book, The Salt Covenant by Clay Tremble on page 77, he explains that the Jewish understanding is that the table from which we eat represents or symbolizes an altar where we present and give worship unto the God of Israel. The Talmud emphasizes the home table of the Jew as the altar before the Lord to be approached in sacrifice with the essential offering of salt. And it is a Jewish Sabbath custom to share eating bread with salt. This is explained in the book, The Salt Covenant by Clay Tremble on page 76, where he says, The head of the house, having invoked the divine blessing with these words, Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who causes bread to grow out of the earth, takes bread and breaks it in as many pieces as there are people present. And having dipped each piece of bread into salt, he hands a portion in turn to everyone and they share it to Together. In the book, The Salt Covenant by Clay Tremble on pages 22 and 23, he explains that a covenant of salt consists of eating bread and salt together at a table. A covenant of salt between two parties is generally, although not always, made by their partaking of bread and salt together. In Job chapter 6 and verse 6, it is written, Can that which is unsavory be eaten? eaten without salt, and the Septuagint, which is the Hebrew scriptures translated into Greek, reads in this verse, can bread be eaten without salt. In the book, The Salt Covenant by Clay Tremble on page 101, he explains that treachery is associated with being unfaithful to salt. As he explains, the idea of treachery is associated with being faithless to salt. In the Persian culture, the term for traitor is namak haram, which means untrue to salt. In the book, The Salt Covenant by Clay Tremble. On page 23, he explains that bread with no salt represents unfaithfulness. My bread has no salt in it as a mode of accounting for any act of treachery or failure in fidelity toward one who was a partaker of the bread of hospitality. 
We can see from Ezra chapter 4 verse 14 that by eating at the king's table, you were expected to be loyal to him as it is written. Now, because we have maintenance from the king's palace and it was not meet for us to see the king's dishonor, therefore have we sent and certified the king. And so this word in the King James that was translated as maintenance is the Strong's number 4415 in the Strong's Hebrew Dictionary and the pa'al form of the Hebrew word means to eat salt. Next, from the book The Salt Covenant by Clay Tremble, on page 22, he explains that when you sit down together with someone at a table, one of the meanings is, is it represents reconciliation. He explains, when enmity subsists, the fiercer Arabs will not sit down at the same table with their adversary. Sitting down together with your enemy, it communicates reconciliation. Now let's summarize what we've covered in this part of our teaching on the Salt Covenant. Number one, an altar and table is seen as a place of worship of the God of Israel. They are synonymous with each other. Number two, the God of Israel requires salt to be upon his table. Number three, salt alone on the table can represent a covenant with the other party. Number four, the burnt offering was given with salt. And a burnt offering represents our lives that we live unto the God of Israel. We are to live our lives and make an eternal, unchangeable commitment to serve the God of Israel, to be faithful to him as we are in covenant relationship with him. Number five, our lives are to be a burnt offering and salt unto the God of Israel for his kingdom and for the fruit of his kingdom. Number six, a covenant of salt consists of eating bread and salt together at a table. Number seven, it is a Jewish custom to eat bread and salt with your Sabbath meal. Number eight, eating bread with no salt represents unfaithfulness. Number nine, treachery is associated with being unfaithful to salt. And number 10, eating salt at the king's table obligates you to honor, respect, and be loyal to him. Next, we're going to see from the book, The Salt Covenant by Clay Tremble on page 125, that a piece of ground with salt is regarded as dead land. As he explains, salt is spoken of in the Bible as destructive of vegetable life and barrier against new animal life. A piece of ground sown or stewed with salt is deemed dead land. It is not sown, nor bears, nor any grass grows therein, the scripture says. Now let's look at Judges chapter 9, verse 45, where here we can see that a piece of ground with salt is regarded as barren or dead land, as it is written. And Abimelech fought against the city all that day. And he took the city and slew the people that was therein and beat down the city and he sowed it with salt. Swampland is associated with salt. Ezekiel chapter 47 verse 11. But the miry places thereof and the marshes thereof shall not be healed. They shall be given to salt. 
The Dead Sea is the saltiest sea in the world. From the book, The Salt Covenant by Clay Tremble on page 126, he explains the one great body of water that is called the Dead Sea is the saltiest sea in the world. And the Dead Sea is called in the Bible the Salt Sea. In Numbers chapter 34 verse 12, it is written, In the border shall go down to Jordan, and the goings out of it shall be at the Salt Sea. This shall be your land with the coasts there of round about. The Dead Sea only receives water. It doesn't give out water. The Jordan River flows into the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is 8.6 times saltier than the ocean. And one of the reasons the Dead Sea is so salty is because there are no water outlets. And so the Dead Sea represents somebody who in living their lives they only take in, they only receive, they don't give out and bless others as well. In the scripture, disobedience to the God of Israel and to his Torah is associated with us having then as an outcome a salt land. As it is written in Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 18 and verses 22 and 23, as it is written, lest there be among you one whose heart turns away this day from the Lord your God to go and to serve the gods of these nations so that the generations to come when they see the plagues of that land and that the whole land thereof is brimstone and salt and burning that is not sown nor bears nor any grass grows therein like the overthrow of Sodom and Gomorrah. We can see from Jeremiah in chapter 17 and verses 5 and 6 also how departing from the God of Israel and his ways and his Torah and his word is linked or associated with living in a salt land. In Jeremiah chapter 17 verses 5 and 6 it is written, Thus says the Lord God, Cursed be the man that trusts in man, and makes flesh his arm, and whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land, and not inhabited. Yeshua explained how losing the zeal for following him and being his disciple and living our lives unto the God of Israel is like a salt land that comes about from us losing our zeal for him and his kingdom or losing our salt. In Luke chapter 14 verses 33-35 it is written, So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsakes not all that he has, he cannot be my disciple. So we're to give a total commitment unto to Yeshua, to follow him, and to allow our lives to be lived for the service of his kingdom, to bear fruit for his kingdom. Yeshua goes on to explain, salt is good, but if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land nor yet for the dunghill, but men cast it out. Salt is associated with friendship and compassion for others. 
In Mark chapter 9, verse 50, Yeshua said, Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its saltness, wherewith will you season it? Have salt in yourselves. And what is this associated with? Have peace or shalom one with another. We can see how Paul associated salt with being respectful and thoughtful toward others. As it is written in Colossians in chapter 4 in verse 6. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. So let's summarize this third and last part of our teaching on salt and the salt covenant. A piece of ground with salt is regarded as dead land. The Dead Sea is called the Salt Sea. The Dead Sea is almost eight times more salty than the ocean. It only receives water. It has no water outlets. Disobedience to the God of Israel, following him, his ways, his Torah, and his word is like living in a salt land. And salt Salt is associated with friendship, compassion, and thoughtfulness toward others. So this is going to conclude our teaching on what is salt and what's the meaning of a salt covenant in the Bible. And we can see from this study that salt is associated with life and that salt on one's table is associated with being in covenant with another party. And so therefore, a salt covenant is going to represent or be associated with something that is fixed, something that endures, something that's unchangeable, and something that is forever. And so when you make a salt covenant with another person, it is you giving your life for the other party. And so for these reasons, the God of Israel required that when we bring worship unto him, when we worship at his altar, that when we bring our offerings, that these offerings are to be salted. And the message that is communicated is the offerings that we bring to the Lord's altar. These offerings are going to represent us giving of ourselves and us giving of our lives. That when the offerings are salted with salt, it represents that we are making a eternal commitment to the God of Israel. And we are pledging to be faithful to him and to be faithful in our service to him and to his kingdom, that we're going to be loyal to him and that we are going to show him respect and we are going to show him honor. And so for these reasons, salt is associated with a covenant and a friendship with another party and our commitment to have compassion and be thoughtful toward others. And so in the Bible, when we are disobedient to the God of Israel and we depart from his ways and depart 
from his Torah, then the Bible uses the language of it will result in our lives being a salt land, a place that you cannot grow any vegetation. And so the saltiest body of water in the earth is the Dead Sea. And it is because it receives water, but it has no water outlets. And so this is a spiritual picture to us that in our lives, we can't all the time be receiving and receiving and receiving that a part of a covenant relationship to the God of Israel and our responsibility and obligation toward others is to give to others, to help others, and to serve others. And so these are some of the things and understandings that we learn in the Bible from the use of salt, what it is associated and linked with the concept and ideas that are associated with a salt and a salt covenant. And so salt can be a substitute and it can be associated and have the same concepts as a blood covenant. So instead of entering into a blood covenant and exchanging blood, because blood represents life, that you can have the same commitment or idea as a blood covenant by having and entering into a salt covenant with another party. And so when you welcome somebody in your house, then you are to show hospitality to them. And a part of showing hospitality to them is you're going to sit at the table with them, which means that you have friendship or you have partnership with them and you're going to eat and you're going to share bread together. Now, if you've made an enduring commitment to another person, then when you you are eating at the table, then you place salt on that table as a reminder of a covenant commitment to another party. And so Yeshua talked about as believers in followers of him that we are to be his disciples and we are to make a commitment of our lives to serve him, to love him, to follow his word, to be loyal to him. And spiritually, when we dedicate and give our lives to the God of Israel and to his kingdom in the service of his kingdom, we are said to be therefore a burn offering. And a burnt offering is to be freely given. It's to be given with joy. And a burnt offering was completely consumed on the altar. And so the God of Israel wants us to make a total commitment to follow him, to be faithful and loyal to his Torah, and to dedicate our lives to his kingdom. And that's why in offering our lives unto him that we are to offer salt as well. It represents this eternal commitment that we make with our hearts. And so that's why Yeshua said that our zeal for him, for his word, to serve him, and to serve his kingdom that we are not to lose the salt being in our lives because he called us his followers that we are the light of the world because we follow Yeshua 
who is the light of the world and we're to live our lives unto him and do so according to what salts and a salt covenant represents in the Bible. So I pray that this teaching has been a rich blessing to you. It's helped you to understand the meaning of salt and the salt covenant in the Bible and you'll be able to see the personal application to your life that the God of Israel wants a 100% and total commitment of your heart and your lives to him, to follow him, to honor him, to respect him, to be loyal, to obey his word, and to be of service to him and his kingdom, to bear fruit for his kingdom. And so that's how we offer ourselves upon his altar. So I pray that the teaching has been a rich blessing to you. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Well, that's going to conclude part two of the series on the subject, the Salt Covenant. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and... Please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.